You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where we discuss advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. All right, this is John Ojaka, and today I've got a really special guest on the line with me. Her name is Kat Parsons. She's a singer-songwriter, and I asked her to join us today to talk about Kickstarter, because Kickstarter is uh, certainly in the news, if you haven't already caught wind of this, uh, because uh, this week, indie artist Amanda Palmer has gone and raised a whopping uh, $1,192,793 to fund her upcoming album, Art Book and Tour. And Kat uh, is also an artist who has had some success with Kickstarter, so I I reached out to her and uh, thought that she could offer some pretty cool perspective uh, and that she could also tell you how she did it, maybe give a little more insight into the process for the average artist who is considering giving the whole fan funding strategy a try. So Kat, welcome. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for asking. I'm I'm glad to be here and what a success for Amanda. That's so awesome. I know. I've been actually she's been someone as you know, I've been paying attention to her career for I don't know, maybe 6 months a year now and I just find her incredibly impressive with everything she's doing not only as an artist but just in terms of uh, her marketing. She's really out there. She seems to I, I don't know her personally, never spoken with her or anything, um but she seems to really be kicking some ass and just doing very, very well. She's always coming up with something innovative. She's extremely engaging with her fans, and uh, she certainly does have a a history as an artist, and she's got herself, from what I can tell, a a very large following and big email list, and she was able to capitalize on that and raise, like like we said, nearly $1.2 million, which is incredible. I'm a little fuzzy on what the records are. I I had heard at one point it was... um, uh, near around 500,000 and then when this happened I was reading everywhere that she set the all-time record even saw some quotes from Kickstarter but then as some people pointed out there's somebody else out there with a video game company that seems to have raised 3.3 million, uh, 3. $3 million dollars so I'm not really sure what's going on there but from what I can tell she certainly broke some sort of records and uh, at least in in my sort of circle of awareness I've not seen any independent musicians do anything close to this so it's um it's really impressive, and uh, I thought we'd talk about it. So why, why don't we uh, start at the beginning? You can give a little background on yourself and uh, talk about why it is that you turned to Kickstarter uh, to ultimately try and get the, the funding for your album, which you successfully did, by the way, right? You raised how, how much money uh, to, to fund your, your current project? Um, all in, I raised just shy of 20000 I did 17727 on the Kickstarter website. And then I also did a fundraising concert in L.A. where I live and perform regularly and raised um, about 1800 that way and uh, to a total of 19561 Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's obviously a lot of money as well and I, I think most people listening to this you know could do a lot with that budget so that's that's pretty cool so um you know like like I mentioned why don't we start at the beginning you can give a little background on yourself as an artist and and talk about why you chose to uh, turn to Kickstarter as opposed to going the more you know conventional route either coming out of pocket or uh, raising the money through investors record labels etc yeah well I would say it was kind of a choice of necessity um but this is actually my second time doing something similar to Kickstarter in two thousand and five. I ran my own campaign before um 
Kickstarter websites, and there's also Pledge.com, which also does a similar um, service. Before they were around, um, I just ran it through myself, and it essentially just laid everything out in, in, a, in a few emails to my fan fan base and sent them out and raised about the same amount, about 18000 um, in 2005 for the recording of one of my albums. And then this time I decided to go now at this point now there are all these websites that assist in in making it a really fun process and so I went through Kickstarter to do this this fundraising. But I think it's kind of the new model for for musicians. Um instead of a label that's giving you an advance or uh you know, a benefactor, you you kind of have a a school of benefactors. It's like not to compare myself to Mozart, but it's like <laughs> the composers of the of the uh, you know of the old time had um, a group of people who were supporting their art. So I think it's kind of neat because it puts the power um, into the artist's hands and also the hands of the fans who want to hear that particular artist's work. Very cool. Yeah, no, bringing up that benefactor point is, uh, you know, that's a good one um, because I know, and we'll get into that a little more later, there's sort of mixed attitudes about the whole fan funding thing, um, but that that is a good point. Um, why don't you give any uh, anyone who's not familiar with Kickstarter a little more background on how Kickstarter works, what the platform sure. entails? Sure. So, um, well, so I am a singer-songwriter based out of L.A., and um, I forgot to answer your first question, which was, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I, have, you know, do a lot of touring across the world. And um, what Kickstarter is, is it's a platform where you can create a project, oftentimes on a page of Kickstarter, and you can create different reward levels for fans to participate in making your project happen. So in relation to an album, um, say you want to record an album, then you would have rewards um, ranging from as little as $1 to as high as you want. For me, I did um, $15 was my first reward package up until $2,500. And um, it's fun. You can be really creative with the rewards. You know, people will get albums or you can – I had a lot of people who I called to sing happy birthday to this last year. Right. Um, just kind of different different reward levels. And um, all of that helps fund whatever it is that you set out, whatever your project that you set out on the Kickstarter website. Gotcha. I'm not sure if that was a good description, but hopefully yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you got no. across. <laughs> no, definitely. And, you know, obviously I'm familiar with Kickstarter, but I haven't personally run a program, so I've never been behind the scenes in their dashboard and seen how it all works. I've just kind of experienced it as a as a uh, benefactor, you know, someone who's donated to various um, artist campaigns. Um, yeah. And the what, what would one assume the benefit is of using Kickstarter versus doing it yourself? I presume that they essentially just create a cool platform that gives you a lot of tools and um, takes care of the entire administrative process, or are there some other benefits there? Um, yeah, I chose to do it in Kickstarter versus myself um, because, yes, it takes care of a lot of the administration, but also because a lot of, you know, what you talk about in music marketing manifesto is a sense of urgency. And um, what Kickstarter does is they have a tally and a countdown on the page of your project. 
So people can see how much you've raised, and they can see it in real time as it goes up. And um, the the kind of cool thing that Kickstarter does is if you don't, I mean, it's scary when you start the project, but it's, it's uh, I think it really helps with people uh, supporting, is that if you don't reach your financial goal that you set forth for your project, then you don't get funded at all. And so there's kind of this excitement of fans checking to see, you know, did you reach your goal and how far are you now and what more do you need and how many days are left? Kind of, it, it makes it very, very interactive as far as everyone kind of being able to know this project that they're a part of, how close is it to, to coming to fruition and reaching, reaching its goal. Gotcha. And just a, just a quick heads up there. I don't know if you backed away from your um, headset or, or not, but the, the, your volume changed there a second ago. So if there's any way to get closer, maybe. Okay, Do, gotcha. There you are. You're back. Um, and that you, you brought up a really good point because that is probably one of the biggest cons that I hear people talk about is the fact that if you don't raise everything, then uh, you know you don't get anything. And there, like like you've touched on, there are other platforms out there, and you can technically conduct something. Um, yourself using, I presume, something like PayPal donations or even just uh, a standard order buttons. Yeah, um, and that's what I did earlier with the PayPal donations. Gotcha. And why did you make the switch, out of curiosity? Um, I made the switch because I couldn't create the the platform with Satali and uh, um, the constantly changing uh with the countdown, the constantly changing thing. This was before I took any of your courses, so I didn't really know how to do that kind of stuff. And sure. I figured the amount I would pay for someone, a web designer, to help me with that stuff would equal the amount of fees that are taken from Kickstarter. So it just seemed like I was going to make my life a lot easier yeah. not to add another hat on top of all the other hats that you know, we all try to wear. Sure. Yeah, I think that is a good point. I'd I'd probably go that way as well, just just to remove those headaches. And um, but there's also some other points as well. Kickstarter does now have authority out there in the marketplace. People are familiar with it. I think they're they're relatively comfortable with it. There's also that the the the, right. the, the pro of that whole uh, you know if you don't raise anything, then you don't get anything. There is a fear like, what if I donate X amount of dollars and you don't get enough to go and make that record, and then you know what's going to happen to my donation? with Kickstarter, that's the reason that they require a sort of all-or-nothing funding is so that if, uh, you know, you're not able to get the money that you need to accomplish your minimum uh, objectives for your project, then the money does not go into your pocket so that no one uh, essentially is ripped off, so that nobody uh, is stuck in a situation where they've donated and you don't have the funds to go and deliver on your promises. There's also, when it comes to fundraising, quite a few laws out there and put in place by the FTC that can be a bit scary when it comes to fundraising. And I, I, I've seen, I've talked to a lot of musicians who uh, had plans to go out and do something like this on their own. And just um, from what they showed me, their choice in language made what they were doing literally illegal. And so that that is another nice thing about Kickstarter is that you, you know by working within the confines of their sort of legal structure, you're not going to accidentally use the wrong language and suddenly get yourself sued by the FTC. Um, yeah. So, well, in addition to that, also by donors, because if you, say, are raising money for an album and you're doing it on your own, unless you have documents that everyone's signing that says this doesn't mean you own a part of this album, then there can be, I mean, Unlikely, but there can be repercussions as far as someone, if, it, if an album then goes on to make a lot of money, then this person will, 
may come back and say they have points in the album because they've given this much money for the album, et cetera. Whereas I think um, Kickstarter probably protects you more from that just with its basic guidelines and rules. That's a really good point. I actually never considered that. Yeah, if you were uh, running something on your own, as most people would, they they tend to be sloppy with terms and conditions. No one wants to go and pay a lawyer several thousand dollars to draw anything up. That's usually the reason they're avoiding Kickstarter in the first place to save on those fees. Uh, and if you don't have that language, you're absolutely right. Somebody could come after you down the line and say, wait, I, I'm an investor. I own a piece of this. So that, that's a really good point. Um, so when you set out to do this, what was your goal? Financially? My goal was 15 15,000. Gotcha. So uh, you can absolutely go over your goal. Yes, definitely you can. And I mean, I think Amanda Palmer also went over her goal. I don't think it was um, that high. No. And oftentimes when you get funded, you do go over your goal. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Her her goal was, her her goal was only a hundred thousand dollars from what I understand and so she oh my went, gosh way over her goal. she did state though that she was trying to raise a million dollars that was the big push but obviously she didn't yeah. want to be in a situation where she couldn't use any of the money because presumably she had a sort of scaled down version of what she wanted to do she wanted to release an album release an art book and go on tour and certainly one can imagine that she could you know go on tour and stick to just a, a smaller number of cities and still pull it off with a hundred thousand dollars and her album if I understand. Yeah, there's definitely. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say there's definitely a lot of flexibility once your goal has been met to um, let people know. Okay, well, actually, with this goal, that means I could come to this place and this place, and so it makes it appealing for those people to continue to give. So there's there's still a lot of flexibility for um, for letting people know what you could use the additional money for, and if Fable even what it is, or if it means coming to their cities and. You know. Sure. Yeah, I was I was going to ask. Do you think that there is um, a uh, psychological pressure or or lack of pressure at play when you ask for X amount of dollars? Let's say you ask for ten thousand dollars. Once you've hit that, do you think that your audience in general kind of cools off, regardless of you know the emails you might send, say, "Hey, keep donating." Do they cool off thinking that you've already got your your funds and you don't need my money, or do you think that's not a factor? I mean, how how much um, having gone through it, how much sort of did you take that into consideration? The, geez, I want to set this really you know high so that I get maximum amount of money, but at the same time, I don't want to set it too high that I get nothing. Or did you just honestly look at the numbers of what you really needed and then set your your prices uh, there? Well, as a musician, you can use whatever you get always for things. So there's an endless amount of stuff you can spend money on that would be beneficial and legitimate for your career. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I would assume, you know, my common sense would say, oh, once you reach the goal, then people don't care as much. Mm -hmm. Um, But clearly that wasn't the case. Um, with Amanda Palmer, it, right. it wasn't the case with me. I, I outraised my goal, um, not by you know the same percentage, but uh, so so I don't really know the answer to that question. Um, I, I imagine it has something to do with how much people want what you're giving. So sure. if the rewards are really good um, and they're a far greater deal than they would be once the record is made, then um, people are going to keep buying them because they want the rewards not to help you, but because they want what you're offering. Right. I think that is probably one of the uh, important 
uh, and often not discussed elements of the whole fan funding model, I, I think it's it's most beneficial to pitch this as as selling insider access to an artist as opposed to um, you know begging for donations. You know, I, I, that, yeah, yeah, that's definitely the probably the second biggest thing I see come up. Uh, certainly, I wrote I wrote a big blog post on this, as I think you know, on, on the Music Marketing Manifesto blog recently, and there was a ton of discussion and you know the probably. Uh, next to those fees that they take, which what are those fees again? Amazon and Kickstarter takes fees, don't they? Amount to about eight nine percent somewhere in that range. Yeah, when I did it, Kickstarter took five percent, and Amazon took three to four percent. Gotcha. So that was the biggest um, reservation that people had. But then the the next was, and, and there was a. A huge array of opinion on this, but some people felt that it was begging. And I'll be honest, my feelings on Kickstarter for a long time was not so much that it was begging, but just from a marketing um, standpoint, as someone who does a lot of traditional marketing that has nothing to do with music, you always want to position yourself as an authority, uh, as a leader of your tribe, not as someone who needs a handout. And that was, so I was kind of against it, to be honest, um, and it didn't think that it was really right for me, but wa- going through, and I had never really paid attention uh, in detail to anyone's Kickstarter campaign. It wasn't until uh, Amanda Palmer did her thing that I really started watching what she was doing, paying attention to how she was um, pitching the whole project, and it really didn't feel like that at all. Um, part of it was because I think the number was so bold um, that it was exciting, but, uh, you know, she, she really just yeah. created a lot of really interesting rewards and you felt like you were getting in on something on the ground floor that you were a part of it. I donated, donated money. I wanted to, well, you know, I had two, two motivations there. I wanted to see the process fold on, uh, unfold, sorry, uh, from an inside mm-hmm. perspective, but I, um, but I wanted to be a part of this really cool newsworthy event, you know, this artist raising this monumental amount of money. But she did it in such a way that you never really felt that someone was um, asking for a handout, but rather they were doing something really cool and they wanted, you know, she was inviting her audience, her army, so to speak, to be a part of it. Um, what are your feelings or what were your feelings uh, on that, um, you know, that a- aspect? Yeah. Surely this is something you considered. Yeah, I have strong feelings about that, too. I mean, no one feels good about the begging situation. The person who's begging and the person who's giving. I mean, there's this really funny spoof on Kickstarter-type campaigns of people from um, Portlandia that where they have, like, a really bad project, and their dad is just sitting at the computer and donates 25000 This is, like, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that doesn't, I don't think that feels good to anyone. I just don't think one should position themselves that way. Um and so, yes, I think it should definitely what the goal is, is that you're um, giving something to people who want what it is that you're giving. So your rewards, I think, have to be better than they would be after the fact. So um, offering something for cheaper or offering something special, um, you know, that can range from, like I mentioned, singing happy birthday, calling people to sing happy birthday to them. Um, I did some Skype video chats with people where I would play two of their favorite songs, dedicate songs to people. I covered, um, some people got a reward level where I would, they would choose a song for me to cover and I went into a studio and did an acoustic version of that song and then signed it and sent it to them. Um, it can also, people coming into the studio for an hour, um, you know, going, taking someone out to dinner, 
if you're a woman, I recommend doing that with a friend. Um, but there's like, there's all sorts of really cool things that people, um, that you want, you want your audience to be excited about it. So it's not like you're asking for a handout. What you're saying is, look at this cool opportunity that we both have. This is something I want to do that I can't wait for you to have. And um, here's how I'm going to make it worth your while to um, to get it and have to wait for it. Cool. Um, well, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the rewards because that's kind of a fun part of this whole process. And it is sort of, you know, it, it's what makes this whole thing sort of newsworthy and interesting on a case-by-case basis. I mean, what were your rewards? Because I know they, they range tremendously in price starting at what, uh, just uh, was it $10, $15 and ranging up to a few thousand dollars? Talk about the different things uh, yeah, that I think you, was, you offered. I think it was 15 and um, yeah, I'm looking at my page now, 15 to 2,500. And, um, you know, it, they, they range. I think that if, if one is going to do a Kickstarter campaign, it's worth kind of surfing around the site and seeing what other musicians are because people have some really fun ideas of um, ways to involve their fans. Um, but some of the things that I did were, um, were what I mentioned before, uh, you know, also advanced copies, you know, kind of for the, for the lower pledge levels. It can be advanced copies or digital downloads or exclusive songs. Um, for, for those who follow kind of the insider circle, a lot of stuff that you would do in a limited time offer is stuff that you would put in your Kickstarter campaign. Um, you know, special, rare, limited edition kind of things or one-of-a-kind things. You know, if you're also an artist, you know, making a book, uh, hand-painting something. Um, one of the cool ones that I've seen other people do and I, I did in mine was writing a song for someone or with someone. So they're getting to be a part of this creative process. Um in fact, I think I've heard of someone who did a whole album of songs that they wrote for and with. They sent questionnaires to the people who pledged at a certain level, and the person filled out this very detailed questionnaire, and the artist wrote a song about whoever that person, however that person had filled out their questionnaire, and then made a CD of all of those songs. <laughs> gotcha. So there's lots of cool stuff, and um, it would be worth checking out Amanda Palmer's for sure. Um, as well, because I'm sure she has some really creative things that people want and are excited about. Yeah. I mean, you think about you think about people just who are not involved in the arts but like to be a part of it. Um, just thinking about what you would want, you know, what you would want from an artist that you like, and and what would be cool. I'm looking at this um, as we're talking. I can't even count them fast enough. There, it looks like there's over 25 different packages that she's got here. And they start at just a mere dollar. And presumably she's doing that so that everyone can be involved, whether they have a lot of money or not. And that will get them the entire album um, and a bonus song. So, like, you know, I, that that bonus, like you're talking about, it's more value than they would get if they just waited until it uh, came on the market and presumably less expensive because those start at just a dollar. Uh, and for $5, you you get that plus a digital download of an art book that she's put together. And again, I'm just kind of scanning this. I might be uh, you know, missing a, a few details here and there, but this is the gist of it. Uh, 
you know, you go up to $25 and you've got a physical version of the CD and the art book. Uh, $50 gets you a vinyl uh, copy of the album, uh, plus I believe the other stuff. Uh, it jumps up to $100 and you, you can get uh, all that stuff signed by the artist. Uh, you know, skip way ahead. We're up to uh, $300 for what do we got here? Uh, vinyl. Um, Arts and Crafts signed art book. Uh, there's just so much stuff. Um, what What's the big... Uh, you get a surprise gift with that one, um, as well as a ton of other stuff. But it literally goes up to um, $10,000 for various packages. I'm trying to find... Here's one. There are two backers for $10,000 um, packages that include an art sitting and a dinner. So in other words, she has dinner with you and paints your picture, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and she's got two backers on that. 34 backers pledged $5,000 uh, for basically a house party where I believe she comes and plays your house solo. So, I mean, that, you know, that, and that's huge. 34 people taking her up on that $5,000 package. Um, you got 72 backers taking up on her, on her, uh, $1,000, uh, package, uh, where you get in a, a limited time or sorry, a limited edition signed, um, it looks like a photo book um, by Neil Gaiman and Kyle Cassidy. Neil Gaiman is her husband um, and a, a well-known writer. And anyway, it's just really interesting. And you had some pretty expensive um, options as well, did you not? What were what were some of your high-end packages? Yeah, my highest my highest end package was twenty five hundred, and that was um, you know dinner and a song and all of the, the, the rewards kind of um, build on each other. So in my case, every reward included what was in all of the rewards previous mm-hmm. plus other things. I don't think you have to do that. Um, that's how I did it. Sure. And uh, and so kind of the big, and the house concert, which actually I'm going to play next week, <laughs> um, and stuff like that. So uh, I think the more generous you can be, the better results you'll have. So, you know, talking about the Amanda Palmer thing, that's so cool that for a dollar, she offered all of that. Right. That's fantastic. That's a lot of value for one dollar. Sure. So the more generous you can afford to be, and of course, you know, it's tricky because we can't always afford to be generous um, as we're trying to make a living doing this. But I do think that that does create, uh, does have a good, create a good feeling, and you usually get... Um, paid back in in full for generosity, I think. Sure, and I can only imagine it really strengthens the bond that you have with your audience when someone has taken that step and they've truly invested in you. Uh, I would imagine that that, that impression is not going to go away anytime soon, and you've basically got yourself uh, not only a fan, but on some loose sense, almost a friend for life because you've communicated, you've sent them you know, this material, they, they know, you know, they've sort of made that uh, psychological commitment that they believe in you and that they want to see you succeed. They want to see you put out that, that product. And um, I'm, I, I, I can only imagine that that's 10 times stronger than simply going out to a record store and picking out or picking up an album one day. Yeah. And mine actually, um, my Kickstarter campaign was a little bit different because it wasn't actually for the recording of the album. It was for, the uh, release of it, the manufacturing, the artwork, the um, kind of advertising, PR, all the kind of investment into 
what what happens after the album. I think we as artists sometimes blow everything on the recording and then we're finished and it's like, okay, sure. <laughs> now what? Sure. <laughs> so this was kind of for that process, um, the the post album process. Although I I would say that my audience didn't really understand uh, exactly what the money was going for. I think ultimately they probably, most people came away with thinking that it was to record the album, which gotcha. is fine. It's sure. you know, a similar thing. Um, but technically, uh, what I had set forth was for the, the promotion of, of the record. Of sure. CP. And also I think it's interesting because I do, I, mine was a three- a series of three EPs that I'm releasing over this year. I've released one of them so far. Um, the first reward um, just talks about the first EP, um, and I've already gotten a bunch of people who say, man, I really wish I had done a higher reward level. I can't believe I was stupid and you know didn't get the all three EPs or whatever. Right. Um, and so I think the closer you can do the Kickstarter campaign to when you can deliver the rewards, the better. Um, gotcha. Because then it makes it real for people. You know, if it's like, in a year, you're going to get, you know, this. It's really hard for someone to, or at least for me, to be, um, you know, something in a year to have that kind of urgency or desire. Sure. Whereas if it's, you know, next month, you're going to get the recording before anyone else does, right. then that's gonna give me a lot more excited for that. Yeah, that makes sense. Back, backing up a tad, we're talking about those larger reward packages. What was the largest package that you found a backer for? Um, twenty five hundred. Okay, so and, you did, you did um, find a backer for that big package. Yeah, I did. That's yeah, that's great. That's very cool. I think that's probably you know I, I don't know if everyone's wondering this, but I've always wondered this. Seeing these go down, uh, you see these big packages, and you kind of, uh, I think, quietly wonder, okay, are these genuine fans, or are these people that the artist knows that are simply donating to be supportive? I mean, you want to let us in on yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. Is it my parents or not? Is what you want to know? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, I. My parents donated $125 total. Right. <laughs> um, so, actually, yes. And, in fact, one of the um, people who did the the high packages, the 1500 and 2500 I had met at a gig the week before. So, it really, you know, uh, I, I had no idea that this person would have the financial, be in the financial situation to do that. Um when I met them, they actually did buy eight seats, so maybe that was a tip off if they liked my music. Sure. That's awesome. <laughs> but um, but yeah, those are those are genuine fans who I've met playing. Both both of the largest ones are from playing live shows that they've seen. That's great. People who I've met while playing live. Yeah. One of the things that sort of got under my skin, and it happens pretty much every time I put out a blog post outlining someone's success story, is um, you know I'm flooded with a mix of feedback in the comments, uh, many of which are, uh, of course, very positive and supportive. And there's just always this huge percentage of people talking about how impossible it is to succeed and pointing out all the caveats to someone's success that essentially in their minds disqualify it. And, and I find my audience to be a really positive audience compared to some of the sites. I, I, I saw some other posts out there. I'll, I'll leave the sites out of it, but some other 
big music sites that reported on this and on just the amount of negativity, you know, pe- everything from bashing Amanda personally to um, to the m- more common uh, claim that, you know, it's only because she has a large following and, you know, therefore no independent artist should sort of take this seriously. And, you know, obviously it's because she has a large following, you know, that, right. that that's, there's you can't dismiss someone's success because or successful or success with a strategy as not being valid because they're successful i mean people are successful because they use successful strategies and one right. of, one of the things that you know, really the crux of everything that I'm teaching with Music Marketing Manifesto and the Insider Circle and, and uh, you know, probably until my dying day, everything that I put out there is it's all about that list. Um, any mm-hmm. artist can drive traffic and build a, a mailing list. You you can tour and do it as well, and then you can make some really impactful personal relationships that way, but it's expensive and not everyone tours uh, or can for various reasons. Um, but anyone can drive traffic on the Internet and replicate that process process um, and build relationships using all of these tools that we have online. That's what that's what I teach. That's what I do. Uh, that's what I know you're doing now. And it works and it works well. And we see conversion rates on par with the same conversion rates we see at live shows. Um, so um, this dismissiveness of her success, because I, I don't know what her mailing list is. I feel like somewhere I, I might have picked up that it was in the couple hundred thousand range. Um, uh, that is just so doable. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's going to take some time, but it is something that only it, 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 we've boiled this stuff down to such a, a, a process that it's just a matter of doing the work, taking the time or, or spending the money if you want to shortcut it uh, to drive traffic to that opt-in form and give away a little bit of music so that you can build a list and then build a relationship and then call upon them for things exactly like this. So certainly the scale of uh, Amanda Palmer's success has to do with the fact that she's got a long track record. She's got a large list. Again, I'm assuming all of these things um, don't know the ins and outs of her career at all uh, on any you know personal level. Um, but uh, you know, but from what I've seen, uh, she busts her ass, makes great relationships with her fans. She's always doing these spontaneous, you know, Twitter events where she'll just show up in a park and hang out with her fans um, and, and those types of things at the very least. I don't actually know if she's ever done that, but, um, uh, you know, I'm hearing about mm-hmm. all these sort of spontaneous thing, you know, shows and things that she's she's doing. Um, and it is that effort that she puts in that has led to that big list and that big list, that big fan base, um, is what has made something like this possible. But we can all do that. If you only have 500 people on your list, you can still get donations, you know, uh, in relation to that list. Obviously, you're going to get, if you have 500 people on your list, you're not going to get 500 people donating. You might get 10 people donating. Um, and so you need to set mm-hmm. your sites accordingly. But, um, you know, you did pretty well. I don't know if you want to talk about it. Do you want to talk about list size or keep that private? Um, sure. Uh uh, I'd like to talk about it vaguely. Sure, go for it. <laughs> um, so just in response to what you were saying, uh, I think one of the things that I'm trying to learn is not to let the past predict the future. So as musicians, we try so many different strategies. You know, okay, well, you know, this show is going to be huge or, you know, blah, blah, this, this is going to be it or this is kind of going to be what it's going to be that's going to 
make it grow in a big way. And um, I think that it can get overwhelming, and we do face a lot of rejection as musicians, um, whether that's, you know, hard, you know, concrete rejection or um, just a lack of interest or whatever. And um, we do need to keep going throughout that. I mean, everyone faces rejection. There's no one who doesn't. Um, And so I think as a musician, when we see other people who are succeeding, um, we really want to figure out, you know, how did that person do it? That's one of the things that I really like about uh, your method is that it is a a how, whereas oftentimes, um, I know for me, when I've looked at other artists whose career I really admire, whose careers I really admire, I say, how do they do it? And there's this kind of um, mystic haze over how they did it. And um, I, I think that's part of part of the music business is that, that no one has figured out or had figured out a way of concretely how to do it. That's why there was not a way that the labels always did it because there wasn't a way that it always succeeded. And, and um, with Amanda Palmer, she's... I mean, it seems to me like a congruence of a bunch of different things that she's done really well. And um, I think if you're if you have a small list and you're comparing it to 200,000, um, or if you have a Kickstarter campaign and you're comparing it to a million point two, that maybe there's somewhere else to start. Because when you start with that comparison, it's it does feel so overwhelming. You know, how are you going to get it there? But I, I really like the idea of kind of picking a thing and working on that and, and having smaller goals instead of chasing each theory. Um, I know for me, I have wanted to try a little bit of everything, you know, Oh, I want to, I want to try doing this that I saw someone do that seems successful. And I want to try to do this that I saw someone do that seems successful. And we each have our own strengths. And so I think, um, one of the important things while we're doing music is to realize what our strengths are and kind of slow it down and focus on a particular thing at one time as opposed to um, kind of spreading yourself thin and not really doing a good job at any of them. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I, yeah. I forget what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting. I, I, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, I was just sort of doing some math here with a calculator and looking at your backers on your old project, and it looks like you got from what I know of your list. Um, I don't know exactly what it was at the time, but from from what I can piece together, um, it was about six percent of your list donated. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I don't. I actually haven't done the conversion rate, but that I mean, sure. Yeah, that sounds right. I had a um, a larger list at the time before I moved to a different hosting company, and uh, through the cleanup of my list and the the move over, I lost a couple thousand subscribers. So um, I did have a little bit of a bigger list at that at that time. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, well, if that's the Which case, the percentage is even less. Yeah. Right, right. And and you know, I want to talk about conversion rates just because um, a lot of people, and I was one of them, have a lot of misconceptions about what's normal. You know, you get people that have a list of a thousand yeah. people, and they think they're going to sell, you know, eight hundred copies, and that doesn't happen yeah. in any, in any market anywhere. You know, uh, yeah. of, of most markets, um, when it comes to marketing, consider a one, two percent conversion rate pretty decent. Uh, you know, on the average side of decent. Um, but um, 
but uh, we're seeing people who have a pretty good handle on this stuff in the insider circle, maybe four, five, six percent. It seems to be about right. The the best I'm seeing might touch on 10 percent. Um, you know, I've heard of people having conversion rates uh, over that. And again, a conversion rate just means the percentage of people that take the action that you want them to take. So if you had a, a list of 100 uh, people and you sent out a, hey, buy my album see, uh, uh, email message and five of them bought it, then your conversion rate would be 5%, just to sort of clarify that. Um, but uh, but six percent is really good. Actually, it's 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 very good. It's far above what most marketers are are getting. And I you know I'm very uh, in tune with what's happening out there. And um, you know music being something that is even more difficult to sell than the traditional product. These are really good percentages. And and when when you know that once you start to learn this t process of direct response marketing. Um, that we're all engaging on over in this sort of music marketing manifesto community or whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, you, you start to see how scalable this is. You know, if you know for a fact that, let's say, 6% of your audience is going to donate some to your Kickstarter campaign or going to come to your shows or going to purchase from you, then you can work out your subscriber value and you know what you can afford to spend to acquire new subscribers and you can really scale up fast. And that, that, turns this whole process, this music business or these music careers of ours into real businesses and real business models. And I find that incredibly exciting because it's something that I could never accomplish when I was on the major labels. And it seems that they can't accomplish. To my knowledge, um, they're not functioning on those those um, principles. They don't have any kind of equation where they spend X amount of dollars on advertising and typically see X amount in return. It's all based on this tipping point, creating so much market awareness that if a product has legs, it's ultimately going to catch up on uh, and then they'll make their money back in the long right. run. Whereas what we're doing is about spending X amount of dollars or putting out X amount of effort and seeing a predictable response in return. And it's interesting and kind of cool to see that that extends to even Kickstarter um, that you know, you're, you're seeing um, donations on par with those same kinds of conversion rates. It really does seem um, once you've got a good relationship with your market that you can uh, um, I don't know, count on that conversion rate over and over and over again. And that's, it, I don't know, it's, it's cool. Yeah, that say. seems like a cool way to be able to predict your, um, how much you're going to ask for it too. Right. I mean, right. if you kind of have a feel for your conversion rates, then you kind of know what figure is reasonable sure. for, for what you're doing. And I think that is really important. Um, I remember you talking to me about the conversion rates and um, that was a big shock for me because I was also one of those people, you know, we're dreamers. We're, sure. <laughs> we're musician dreamers and we expect, well, doesn't everyone on my mailing list want to hear my new music? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, those conversion rates are really helpful because it, I think kind of knowing those facts, you don't get as discouraged and you get more excited about, okay, so this is how it works and you know, this number is related to this number in this way, and so this is what I would need to do in order to get this. And I just think that's really, uh, really encouraging. Sure. And ultimately, you know, the point I sort of strayed away from is it's be, it, it 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 addresses that kind of criticism slash concern that it only worked because she had a big audience. Yes, she was able to raise a lot of money because she had a big audience. You know, if you if you have a small fan base, you can't make a million dollars. There's no 
There's no free money out there. You have to do something to get it. Um, But the exciting thing is if you just break it down into numbers, okay, you need a big list. Let's, let's, uh, you know, take that conversion rate and, um, and just kind of work with that. So how many people are we going to need to accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish and then go out and take some actual action or spend a little bit of money to build that list. And it's it's really not that hard. Um, So speaking of lists, uh, you know, what, uh, where do you think your donators came from? I mean, was it all from your list? Did you see anything coming from outside of that list? Is anybody browse Kickstarter looking for cool projects? Um, Did you do any kind of promotion or advertising that, you know, was outside of just, sending emails to your your fan base and tweets to your you know social media um at the time that i did it um i think maybe one or two people might have donated that were outside of kickstarter otherwise it's all my fans and um you know i've had a couple of fans families who i'll see like the same last name come in to right. several people you know they kind of get into it and everyone wants to be a part of it and um so yeah it was it was all through my email list and and uh and through my concert that i gave um that was that was really a neat thing to be able to do um uh, was a concert separately and of course those those uh donations didn't get weren't subject to the fees, but they also didn't count as part of my, uh, you know, 15,000, so that if I hadn't reached it, that that wouldn't have helped me right. reach my goal. A weird, a weird uh, question. I, I wonder, again, you're more, more immersed in the, this uh, sort of fan funding community, I, I presume, than, certainly than I am, um, and I'm wondering if this is something that people talk about, if this is something other people even thought have thought about it certainly has crossed my mind do people kind of set themselves up where uh you know if if they're close but they're not quite there they just come in and donate five grand to themselves uh i mean is this something yeah well i i thought of that too um i think technically it can't be in your name it can't Mm -hmm. be a credit card in your name so maybe if you have a really good friend <laughs> who's willing to to use their credit card, I don't know. I I'd have to research that, but I do remember wondering if that was an option for a failsafe. Um, but I definitely remember that I would have had to involve other people. It sure. couldn't have been something that I could just um, do under my name. Um, so, so yeah, one of the things uh, based on uh, what you were saying before. One of the things, so I really think, uh, I had a friend who said she'll never record an album without it being fan funded. Um, because recordings just don't pay in the same way that they used to, mm-hmm. um, as far as people buying records, um, and the da- list of downloads and stuff like that, um, it just doesn't make financial sense, uh, to spend a ton of money. And you don't have to anymore either because of the, um, great, strides in home recording but um i think this is a new way you know that that this way you'll never be out recording fees it'll just be you'll be out you know your overhead won't include that sure sure yeah it's i mean like i said i was kind of down on it uh for well basically forever until uh, amanda palmer did what she did Mm -hmm. and it just it was cool for the first time and i'm not suggesting that millions of other people haven't done it. Hey, you were down on it when I did it? I didn't. Thanks a lot. I didn't know you when you did it. I did not know. I did not even see your Kickstarter page. (laughs) Whatever. Until until just the other day. Um, I I felt your vibe in the universe. (laughs) 
<laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Mo. But you know, like I said, I, I never really followed this. I'm sure. I'm sure thousands of people have done this in a cool way. I just kind of. Uh, I guess I, I received a handful of emails from friends doing this and didn't like the way it came across. It did come always across as sort yeah. of begging to me. It didn't. It never came across yeah. meeting with a hey, I've got something really cool for you. And I think that's important with all marketing, with everything you're doing. You got to make it about you know the it's that whole what's in it for them principle, um, and that applies to fun raising as well. Um, I'm just not interested if yeah. you know, all someone wants to do is is burden me uh, with an expense. But if they want to invite me to take part in a cool experience and, like you said earlier, get something more than I would be able to otherwise as a result, then then sure, uh, I, I'll I'll take part. Especially when you get that sense, and I don't know if this is true across the board, but when I see when I feel like an artist is really working hard and not trying to take a shortcut but rather just trying to exhaust every opportunity that they have, then I, I respond to it. But when, yeah. it, when it seems like someone just kind of wants to take the shortcut and get you to pay for it so they don't have to, then it kind of feels like a turnoff. And it is all in that presentation and, yeah. and, and how you go about it. Yeah, of course. I totally agree. I um, think you have to have I, – I really strongly agree with what you just said. I think you have to have a track record. It can't be like, I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> And it's always been my dream to go to Hawaii, and I need ten thousand dollars from plane ticket. Well, that doesn't seem fair, you know. Then work work for it, you know, you know. And and that's what that's the whole idea is that instead of it being like oh, I want to make a record, it's more like there's music I want to share with you. Do you want to hear it? If you do, here's some cool stuff and a cool way to hear it, and we can be a part of this together. Like, and it's not a magic bullet. It's not like if you sign up for Kickstarter, all of a sudden the music, the money will appear. I've seen people who have um, created goals that were just not really within the reality of of what was happening in their career and not been able to raise the funds. So I think it's really, you know, I don't know. It's re- I, it's really important to be to be thinking about what you're offering. Because, yeah, that's, that's no fun or no, no, ugh. yeah, I don't like it if it, I, I agree. If you said it best, I'm just agreeing. Well, <laughs> I like to see a track record, and I think that's what I was going to say about the video, is they, Kickstarter strongly suggests that you do a video, and I think it's extremely important, too, because you're connecting with people, and you're letting them know, this is what I've done, this is how I've worked, these are my past successes, these are my past achievements, you know, showing that you're not just, you didn't just wake up one morning and decide that that would be fun, but you, this is something you've really, you know, sure. are, are dedicated to and have have had success in. Sure. I was I was going to ask you what advice you have for anyone who's considering doing this, um, but we've sort of touched on most of these elements, um, so I'll just kind of quickly recap them. I mean, throwing my own advice in there first, I would say make sure you have a base before you begin. I think anyone who's just going to go, you know, that has no fan list and is going to go and throw up a Kickstarter project is going to be disappointed by the results. You, you want to build a base uh, first. In, in other words, get an email list. Um, and, you know, you might be able to do a lot with social media, but I find emails just infinitely more impactful. Um, but then you also touched on making a video just now and, and, and how important that personal connection is. Uh, you spoke about doing a live show, which was obviously an interactive element that uh, you felt helped you. Um, and you touched on having a track record and, and showing people that you are, have already be, been working on the project and it's not just some whim. Um, uh, you also talked about, or at least in our previous conversations, you talked about the time limit, uh, you know, 
how, how long the the project uh, I have in my notes here uh, 30 days versus a longer campaign you want to kind of quickly address that yeah, I mean, um, I think they give you options for 30, 60, possibly even 90. I don't know if they've taken that away, but they recommend the shorter campaign as well. And, um, of course, you know, based on what you teach as well, that makes a ton of sense. A shorter campaign, 30 days is long enough. Um, you don't want to be, you know, for two months emailing people about something. Kind of the urgency, the excitement dissipates over time. Um, and 30 days is enough time for everyone to see the campaign. So I, I think the shorter, the better. Cool. And um, can you can you go even shorter than 30 days, or is every project set at 30 days? I think when I did it, it was 30 days. I'm not sure if there's um, if there's any new information. And the the different sites, you know, I, I mentioned before, Pledge also Pledge Music also does the crowdfunding, and I know that they really work with the artist in creating the um, rewards and stuff like that. And the more you can get Kickstarter or whatever company you're doing involved, the better. It's just always nice. The more you can get anyone involved, the better, because uh, it, it just creates synergy for what you're doing. Sure. Let's kind of go over those resources really quickly. Um, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but obviously kickstarter.com is sort of, at least to my mind, the leading um, pledge platform out there, whatever you call those things. Uh, you mentioned pledge.com, was it? Yeah, I think it's um, – let me just look it up. Hang on. Now, am I remembering right? Is Pledge.com one of those ones that lets you actually keep all the funds regardless of if you raise enough or meet your goals? I don't think so. Oh, you don't? Uh, there, I know there are some platforms okay. out there. PledgeMusic.com. Gotcha, Pledge Music, and it's specific it's for musicians. Yeah, specific for musicians. And um, I'm, I assumed that you didn't get any of it unless you got all of it, okay. but I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, no, they, they, I may have the site wrong. I know there are some platforms if anyone wants to sort of dig through the wealth of comments and tips and information, they can go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and find that post uh, on uh, Amanda Palmer. It's currently up on the home page, although as new posts come up, that will cycle out depending on when you're listening to this. And um, you can, you know, in the comments there, a ton of people mention other sites. And I know there are a few that, that allow you to keep the entire thing. I also was doing some research and I found a, it's a WordPress plugin if you've built your site in WordPress. Um, it's a it's a pretty confusing domain. Um, it's, uh, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say it here, but I'll, I'll try to create an easier redirect. It's premium.com wpmudev.org forward slash project forward slash fundraising. Uh, again, that's premium.wpmudev.org forward slash project forward slash fundraising. And it's a WordPress plugin that essentially allows you to add these targets and uh, add the different donations and kind of, I think it's semi-manual, but somewhat manually uh, update your page so it looks and feels very similar to a Kickstarter um, platform. Unfortunately, they don't have a demo on their site, which I find odd. I spoke to them a little bit via email trying to get a demo out of them and they, they didn't have a live one, which was very odd to me. They sent me some screenshots and it looks interesting and certainly it's a way to go for anyone who doesn't want to, you know, pay those fees and wants to just do it all in-house. You can you can control things um, uh, all on your own platform if you want to check that out. So that that's yet another option for people interested in doing this. And then there's the good old-fashioned PayPal donation buttons. But 
you know, I know mm-hmm. for myself, I'd probably stick with a platform like Kickstarter just because of what you've touched on, the ease, the familiarity with the site, and also just so that I know I'm, I've got the documentation there so there's no confusion about what a person is actually getting a, a piece of um, and so that I don't accidentally, you know, go and break a law and get myself in trouble with the FTC. Um, let's see, mm-hmm. that is about it. Um, wh- Basically, you know, uh, why don't we talk about you a little bit? Uh, how, how can people you know, <laughs> find out uh, more about your music, check you out, check out what you're doing? Because, uh, you know, I've been following your career. Kat's doing some really cool stuff. She's busting her butt and getting out there and making some, some really good music. So if someone wants to learn more about you, where can they, where can they uh, you know, hear your stuff? Um, well, I have a squeeze page at catparsonsmusic.com. Cat, so uh, well, well, you, said that, you said that kind of fast. You want to, was that catparsons.com? <laughs> no, catparsonsmusic.com, ah, and I'm excited to be giving away um, a download from my brand new EP that just came out called Talk to Me, which is about, uh, you know, the, the moment when you know something's wrong, but uh, you can't figure out what, and they won't answer the question. <laughs> okay, gotcha. So, Cat Parsons. So at that moment. Gotcha. CatParsonsMusic.com. And uh, you can download some music for free, and you can, uh, you know, take a listen to some of the stuff that is part of the. This is this is the album that you ran your Kickstarter campaign to uh, ultimately uh, use the money to promote and and advertise, correct, and manufacture uh, the product for. Yes. Yeah, yeah, one of the three. So, um, so yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks. There'll be, there'll be two more coming out this year. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, thank, thank you. So much. <laughs> we're stepping. We're, we're actually talking from opposite sides of the planet as we speak. Cats in Los Angeles. I'm <laughs> off in New Zealand, and uh, we're talking via Skype. So there's a bit of a, a lag if you haven't figured that out. And um, there's also, you know, the audio <laughs> often leaves something to be desired. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks uh, for uh, your patience with these seemingly uh, inevitable audio glitches that that come up with Skype. But um, thank you, Kat, for joining us. Um, And uh, if anyone listening has a success story that they'd like to share with our listeners, or if you have a question about music marketing or the music business in general, then please call 1-800-296-1406. That's 1-800-296-1406. And we'll include your question in an upcoming show. And once more, you've been listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where we discuss advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, like those discussed today, please go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Thanks again, Kat, for joining us today. uh, And thanks everyone for listening. You take care and uh, I'll catch you guys at uh, musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Thanks, Sean. Take care.